Welcome to another episode of the Powerless to Powerful Recovery podcast. My name is Jason. I'm an alcoholic and addict. As always, our mission is to share experience, strength, and hope across multiple media platforms. The story of addiction and the road to recovery. We're not affiliated with Alcoholics Anonymous or any other 12-step-based organizations or groups in any way. This is part two of the amazing journey with Ashley S. She's here with me, and we're going to get into the miracle aspect of it, you know, and you know, it's been a couple days since part one got dropped. And so anytime I start the second part, the miracle part, it's always important just to understand and get the full scope. I mean, we're talking about someone who started using at nine. We're talking about someone who was pretty much on her own in Boston, living in Southie, on the street, selling dope, trap queen, been kidnapped five times, traumatic six times. I can't even keep track. So many times, sexual abuse. Um, I mean, you name it. This She's homeless in Arizona. Um, I mean, just the slope is traumatic. Yeah. <laughs> and so there's so much that has happened to you. You truly are a walking miracle today. And where we stop part one is you're sitting on a couch in the sunny slope on 10th Avenue and Hatcher. Yeah. 10th Avenue and Hatcher. You guys made a fort, <laughs> right? And the cops are coming. Everyone takes off running, but you stay and you say, hey, look, you know, I got warrants. You know, I need some help. The only way I'm going to be able to get sober because your brother at the time, I got sober through going to jail and going to prison. And so you figured, shit, I've tried everything else. Maybe if they just lock me up, then maybe I'll be able to stay sober this time. And so you get arrested. And like I said, the gift of pain and desperation at this point, you have enough willingness and you're, you you want to do something different. And God puts these people in our lives. God puts the program in our life. God performs miracles in our lives. And in my life, he's been doing it the whole time. But the problem is, is I'm not doing my part. I'm not aware and I don't see it. But this time you're about ready to start to do your part. So you find yourself sitting in the matrix and you got lost in the matrix for two weeks. Hell yeah. Lost in the major for two weeks. I kept going from cell to cell, sleeping, and oh my god, that was that. That was the towel, uh, the toilet paper fucking blanket. Oh yeah. Uh -huh. Oh, you mummified yourself because oh, you were I cold. Did. Oh yeah. Oh, you oh you learned the ropes real quick. That wasn't your first time there. Yeah. When I went to prison the first time, and uh, you know, I got I started with like three or four counts of forgery, and ended up with like way too many to even count. And I got page two every single time, and had to go back down through the matrix. I probably went through the matrix probably easily forty times. Yeah. So I was a pro. I yeah. get the trash can, I flip it down, use it as a hammock, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> get the toilet paper behind my head, mummify myself so I'm not cold, and then I was good to go. So you're in there for two weeks, and then finally you get to see the judge. And what happens when you see the judge? So when I see the judge, I go in there with the utmost confidence and I tell her, I'm like, I want to revoke my probation. Oh, you're one of those people. Yep. Yeah. You sit where you sitting in the cell with all the girls. Shit. I'm revoking my, my probation. So we, they, there's only a couple of girls and all the guys were in, in the, in the, in the glass yeah, yeah. and we were out front yeah. and uh, I almost got held in contempt because I saw one of my friends from the streets. And so you were trying to talk to him? Yeah. She, Don't tell me you were doing sign language. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> you were hitting the sign language on him? Like we're talking like the jail sign language, yes. right? Oh yeah, I know I know it, unfortunately. And then she finally calls me up and I'm like, I wanna revoke my probation and uh I thought I had ten to twelve over my head, but I didn't realize that was with another charge, another drug charge. And so uh she They didn't arrest you for the couch fort? No. Yeah, they should have. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it was outside it was outside of some Mexican Places. All the Mariscos? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so 
she laughs at me and like my pride came into play and i was like why is she laughing yeah, at i don't me? see anything so funny i don't see it i'm like i'm being serious right yeah. now and she's like no well you know we're not going to send you to prison and she, thankfully she didn't give me a number you know what i mean yeah. i didn't realize how bad having a number yeah is. you don't want one of those and uh she's like well you're gonna do four months and then uh with early release to reach out so that what that looks like is either mosaic which is a six-month program inside jail or getting released to like crossroads life well things mm -hmm. like that right to straight to a treatment facility yeah so what do they give you they ended up uh they ended up giving me reach out you actually have to put a tank order in oh the shout out tank orders yeah, yeah. You, you have to put a tank order in uh -huh. to get whatever one you wanted and I was like, I need more help outside of here than I do inside here. And I didn't know what I needed, Yeah, you know? And so while I was there, I ended up going to the working dorm. And uh, I was a trustee at first, and I hated it. I hated it. But you got as many sack lunches as you could eat, huh? Oh, yeah. We got extra everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I, I always, my parents always helped me out while I was in jail because they felt bad. Shout out mom and dad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm thankful for that every day. Cause like I didn't want to eat that that slop. Oh, that slop! You weren't no, a fan of it. No, you don't like emo slop. Nope, emo? I, I ate the rice. That's about it. Yeah, on Friday nights yeah. when they give you that bean and rice tray. Yeah, yeah that Friday night tray comes in. I mean, it's going down. And it was oh my god, it was so it was popping with fruit. Like they were giving us mangoes and stuff. Oh, at really? that time, it was weird. Usually when I'm there, it's the grapefruit time period. Really? Yeah, it's not very good. Yeah. Well, I was there for so long that I experienced every type of fruit. Yeah, because <laughs> I was there for a while <laughs> on this last one. Um, apples, those are pretty damn good. Yes. Um, and so you ultimately you finally get approved, uh, put the tank order in, they finally approve you yeah. and they give you the mash program and that's working with animals. So what, what did that teach you? What was that like? So I had to put an application in for that. And actually, was that your first job application ever in your life? Yeah. And I, no, yeah. I worked other places, but I always got fired. Yeah. Um, like McDonald's and Subway, Woo. <laughs> you know? And, uh, so I had to put an application and I had to do an interview with them. It was weird. Yeah. And I got it. And uh, so it gave me a work ethic. Like I went, I went hard because it was search and seizure animals. And a lot of them were fighting animals, like fight dogs. And like, it was a couple of roosters, yeah. you know, and we woke up at 430 in the morning and we went all the way to first half jail, the old jail. Yeah. And they, they were stuck in those cells like we were and like, yeah. So that was Sheriff Joe's thing way back in the day. No shout out to Sheriff Joe. But way back, way back in the day, what he did is, is he would get all the animals and they moved all the humans, if you will, mm -hmm. out to the tents yeah. and put us out in tents, in tent city and put the animals in the AC. Yeah. And so that's what you're doing every day. You're getting up because you got to get up early as heck to get transported. So we're, you know, we're talking and then to get back in and transported and everything that goes. Anyone's ever been to county jail knows that transport. It's like a 14, 15 hour day. When you see the transport come, you're just so damn happy. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's almost like an addiction when the plug pulls up. Yeah. That's how happy you get when transport <laughs> comes in jail. Yeah. You hear the cuffs. You're like, there they are. Is that transport? Yeah. Everyone's up on the window also. You know what I mean? One side eyeing through the little things. You can only <laughs> see a few few feet in front of you. You got your face plastered up against the glass. And so that's where you learn your work ethic. And we're talking about cleaning out animals' cages or the cells and, you know, caring for these animals and you know, caring for animals, you know, equine therapy and animal therapy at Sanctuary. We have animal therapy. Mm -hmm. Shout out Ryder. Yeah, Ryder. Yeah, the dog that comes in and, you know, that works with our clients. But it teaches you love. It teaches you compassion. It teaches you 
um, you know, understanding and so many different things, you know, working with animals and you start to learn all these things. And finally, it's time to get released after being there for a couple few months. And then where do you go? So I went to Crossroads. I thought they were going to send me to LifeWell and everyone was like talking so bad about LifeWell. And I was like, I don't care where I go. Yeah. But I ended up going to Crossroads in Mesa. And uh, at that time we had Flower as a women's one too. And I thought I was going to go to that one. Yeah. But I didn't. Which is a men's pre-trial now. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I go to Crossroads and it's like a, a day before my birthday. And it's going to be my first time celebrating a, a sober birthday. Since nine. Since nine. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I freaked out. I, I freaked out hard because, like, I didn't know anything else. You know, I was always told that I'd be an addict, that I'd never amount to anything. So I, I didn't know any other way. And, like, this little old lady that worked there, and I'll never forget her. I love her. Her name's Carol. Shout out, Carol. Yeah, shout out, Carol. Uh -huh. <laughs> she talked me down the, off the ledge, and she told me, she's like, what is really out there for you? And she told me, she's like, just stick it out because i was court ordered there for 30 days and if i left i would have definitely gone to prison and yeah i was on my last straw yeah and uh she's like if you don't like it after 30 days she's like the drugs will always be there and i i hear that everywhere now you know it's true yeah it's a thing <laughs> but yeah. the drugs don't love you and that is true too <laughs> <laughs> and so i ended up staying and she bought me these Reese's cups and I loved Reese's because like I have low blood sugar and that's what I would eat when I was homeless. <laughs> you lived off Reese's for about five years. Reese's and Taco Bell because they would always throw everything out, put it in a trash bag and put it in the At the end of the stuff. night? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. Or Domino's. I'd, have, I'd order a pizza and then wait for like an hour towards the end of the shift, their shift and then I'd go in and be like, you have any free pizzas? And it'd be the pizza That ordered. you already ordered? <laughs> You order the one you want. Yeah. Let me get a Supreme pizza stuffed crust. <laughs> but, um, so I went to Crossroads and I stood there for the 30 days and, and my probation officer was like, cool, you know, you do what you have to do. And uh, so I stood for another 30 days, but I did get in trouble for fraternizing while I was there. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. I got caught on cameras. <laughs> Making out. Making out of the chick? Yeah. Okay. Um, but I ended up graduating. They didn't kick me out. That was uh, nice of them. They didn't want me to stay another 30 days, though. That was understandable. They're like, hey, 60's good. Yeah. We'll give you the certificate. It <laughs> was understandable. You don't got to go home, but you can't stay here anymore. Yeah. But we're proud of you. Yeah. Type thing. And during that time at Crossroads, you got a sponsor. You started working the steps. Or, so or... it was a weird time because it was the beginning of COVID. Oh, okay. So we were sponsoring each other. And like mm -hmm. the, just the, doing the best of what you have. The facilitators were sponsoring us. I actually did well variety while I was there. Oh, nice. Yeah. It was different. Yeah, it is different. And we have that at Sanctuary Offers Well Variety. You know, we, we have a lot of natives. We take AIHP, so we have, definitely have a lot of natives. And so we have Well Variety. And mm -hmm. we have the Zoom. And it's, we, you know, if the clients want to attend, we let them use the laptop and we zoom them right in. And so after you graduate, you know, you go to a sober living home and COVID starts to die down a little bit. And then shout out Faith of the Fear, Faith over Fear, Faith over Fear in the park. Yeah, La Padera. Yeah. Oh, it ain't no joke over there it too. Is no joke. You guys are out there at it, you know, because that's what they did because of COVID. They were like the only meeting. You know, what's that? What does Faith over Fear mean to you? Faith over Fear is where it all started and it all began for me. Meetings and fellowship and people talking me uh, into staying and and getting me involved and putting me in the herd. 
And so they had a meeting in the park forever and uh, now it got hot. They moved it in. The spot opened. Uh, it's all over there at the meeting hall, the spot. Yeah. Um, but in order to have meetings, they had to do it in the park. And we're not talking about a Scottsdale park. We're talking yeah. about what, 43rd Avenue in Glendale? 39th Avenue. 39th Glendale. In, in Glendale, yeah. <laughs> I used to play soccer there when I was a kid. Yeah. I don't, yeah, so I'm familiar. I actually went to that meeting a couple times when I got out. Um, so you start going to Faith Over Fear. It's pretty much the only meeting. And then you get a sponsor. Yep. You actually got multiple sponsors, don't you? I mean, I do now. Yeah. But at first, I got one sponsor, and then she was sick. And so I got another sponsor. And I went up to this lady. Shout out, Shannon. Shout out, Shannon. And I went up to her and I was like, listen, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, <laughs> I've been using for 20 years. I have no, like, I don't know what I'm doing as yeah. an adult, you know? And I need someone to, you know, guide me in the right direction. And I actually told her I needed someone to, like, be a bitch to me sometimes. Yeah, she yeah. said, okay, I'm the one. Yeah. You uh, know? <laughs> yeah, you, you got it. I can yeah. do that. I can hold you accountable. And uh, so... We started working the NA steps. Oh. I skipped right to NA because while variety was already like there were circles and feelings and like, sure, you know, and so I wanted something more in depth. And so NA, started, the NA step working guide ain't no joke. Yeah. We're talking like 170 questions for step one or 77. I don't even know how many, a lot something of like that, yeah. something like that yeah. group f- just for step one. Take a couple of pages to write it on. Yeah. It's, it ain't no <laughs> joke. You know, it's so thorough, so good. Um, and so you start working the steps. So what's that period like for you? What do you realize? Um, you know, what do the steps mean to you? Why don't you share a little bit about some of your step work? Don't go all the way out on a four or five right now. We're going to keep it professional. Okay. (laughs) But talk about what it meant to work the steps and some things you learned and, you know, give me one major moment that stands out for you. So when I first started working the steps, step one was so easy. I already knew that I was an addict and I was powerless and my life was unmanageable. Um, step two, I had a hard time believing that there was a God that would allow me to go through everything I went through. Um, and step three and four, as I did my four step and I wrote everything down and I had a big four step. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was a horrible person. And uh, and most of it was because I was the common denominator mm-hmm. in all of that. I was the problem. Drugs wasn't the problem. I was. And, um, so as I started to work the steps and I went, we, about a couple months, no, like almost a year in, we went to the Apache Lake, um, roast roundup. Oh, okay. They just had one about a month ago. So the first time I went, I went out on this kayak, right? It was a blue kayak. It was the same color as the um, first time I was kidnapped. And uh, I freaked out in the middle of the water and started crying and, and like, I started having a flashback and feeling all those feelings. And they tell you not to run from the feelings, to just go through them and sit through them and sit in your feelings and actually process it. So that's what I had to do because I was frozen on the middle in the middle of a lake. So I, I couldn't really move. Yeah, was, you know what I mean? I what else can go. I do? Yeah. And uh, so I had this like spiritual awakening, this aha moment, and I felt and processed everything that I felt at that time. And then I felt something warm, like engulf me and like as I was crying I just stopped all of a sudden remembered where I was remembered that there is a there is a God there's always been a God because I had to go through what I needed to go through so that I could be here to help other people who either are going through or went through what I went through 
or even like, you know, cause a lot, there's a lot I went through. Yeah. You went through a lot. And, uh, so that was like my spiritual awakening and that's, and then, you know, step two and three actually came together. Right. Cause that's the, that's the real, that's the beginning of the solution. And sometimes, you know, it's hard for us to really, you know, sure we can come to believe and make decisions. We believe and make decisions every single day, but to really understand what that means, um, it can, it could take some time for some people. And, you know, the, the big book talks about two different types of spiritual experiences, the educational variety, which is probably the most common, definitely. Right. And that's when you look back over your, you know, six months, 90 days a year and you, you know, you're, you go to your sponsor and, you know, you tell him like, Hey, I don't think I'm having a spiritual experience. And he's like, Oh, you're not. How long have you been sober? When was the last time you did that? When was the last time you had a bank account? When was yeah. the last time you held a job for 90 days? When was the last time you, you know, worked out? You know, when was the last time you went to sleep every night, nine o'clock, woke up and you weren't dope sick? Yeah. When was the last time you did all those things? You can't remember, right? And it wasn't since you made this connection with God. See, God has been working in your life because you're able to do things that you've never been able to do before. And that's kind of an example of an educational variety. But what you experience would be the second type they describe, which is called the burning bush, that aha moment, like you said, right? <laughs> and so having one of those is extremely cool because then it just solidifies everything. You're yeah. like, dude, I know now, right? And so, you know, you have that experience. You continue to work your steps. Um, but you know, you've worked your steps in how many different programs? Uh, twice in AA. I'm doing CODA and AA again right now and NA. So yeah. four. <laughs> and so, you know, we continue more, more will be revealed. Right. Yeah. And we continue. There is no certificate when you do step 12. There's no completion. We continuously work them when we work with sponsees and we continue to work with our sponsor. We continuously do those things. You know, I know you had a fear like most people did about sponsoring, right? Yeah. Today you have sponsees. I do. Yeah. You got some sponsees. Shout out to your sponsees. Um, But the service commitment game is on point, right? Yeah. So what you've been up to with service commitments? So uh, I have three different home groups right now. I have a codependency one, (laughs) broken glass. Uh, Broken glass. And faith over fear. And, uh, and. I co-chair a meeting, I chair a meeting, I am a secretary of one of the meetings. Um, I also am a meeting of the meetings at the spot liaison. I'm an ENF liaison. Um, I keep track of the messenger for CODA. Like, I would, I, uh, that's like six service commitments. Yeah. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. And anyone who's ever been around recovery and you start going to business meetings and doing all those things. I want to talk about seeing character defects. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And so you're heavily involved in the program and multiple, multiple, many service commitments. And then about a year ago, you started working at sanctuary recovery centers with us. And I remember when you came in, you started overnights and you would come to me and, you know, come to Yolanda, shout out Yolanda and our whole team, um, which I'm going to have everyone at the, like I said, the third season is going to be everyone we work with. The first episode of season three was with Pat. He's at our sister company, but that's my guy. And yeah. I should have put him on season two. And I didn't want to, you know, it also says in the big book, the al- alcoholics are sensitive. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want, you know what I mean? I had to get him on right away. But the rest of this season, um, shout out Roe um, from New Method. She'll be on there too. But it's all going to be all the, you know, amazing miracles and stories that we have for the Sanctuary Recovery Center team. And you started working and you said, you know, I want to do more. I want to be a part of more. I want to help more. I want to really touch these clients. And then you got off nights and you started working swing shift, right? Days. And then 
ultimately got to a point where, you know, I moved into a different position and then you moved into my position now and you're there all day. We we basically worked together and for a period of time, it was just me and you in the office and everything. I know I can count on you and you you do an amazing job and I only have to ask you one time and you, you know, so I don't even have everything you do, you just do and it's on point. And I just see what this future could be. And from, for someone like yourself who has been through extreme trauma to hold a job for a year, um, from riding around on a bicycle, you got a moped for a while. Vespa, I, yep. I remember you. Yeah, your Vespa got stolen, but you got a car, yep. and that's a huge accomplishment. You got a car, you know. You got your own place now. You don't live in sober living. You know, there's nothing wrong with living in sober living, but this is the progression of our recovery when we're doing the right things. We hold jobs, we have bank accounts, we get credit cards, we pay taxes. You know, we get our own place, we get a car, we get promotions at work, we make more money, and your life reflects all of that today. Um, and it's just an amazing, how long you've been sober for, uh, two years and four months, two years and four months. When was the last time you had two years and four months? Never. I've only ever made it to 11. Yeah. And so God's working in your life today. So thank you for coming on the show and, you know, sharing your experience with all the, the listeners out there and tune into the next episode. You know, I love you and thank you for being here. Thank you.